This weekend at Kohl's, take an extra 15% off. Save on men's and women's denim. Get Under Armour shoes for the family, $59.99 and under. And pick up a Power XL air fryer, just $84.99. Plus, take an extra $10 off your back-to-school purchase of $50 or more. Plus, store drive up. And get a little more for your wallet with Kohl's Cash. Shop Kohl's and Kohl's.com. Select styles, 15% off with promo code Notebook and August 16th. Under Armour offers and coupons do not apply. 10 off 50 with promo code BTS10 and August 23rd. Some exclusions apply. See store or Kohl's.com for details. to the porch here on Firefall Talk Radio. I'm Richard Grund. This is where every Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, we get back to basics, examining the Word of God, especially the example of the Book of Acts Church. We see how they serve the Lord, and we do the same. We dig deeper into Scripture. We don't water it down. We follow the red-letter basics, and in doing so, we believe we have found the church the Lord intended, not the one man created. The porch has always been about restoring the priesthood of the believer and the world-shaking influence that they had, that the Book of Acts Church had. We believe the church age is still in effect. The day of Pentecost is ongoing until the church is taken out of here. That fire still falls and is available to anybody that wants it. The porch was created to be an outreach of Solomon's Porch, Inc., a Florida non-for-profit since January of 2000. That website is on solomonsport.org. If you have any questions, you can go there, use the contact button, or you can go to firefalltalkradio.com. You can contact us there, also find ways to support what we do. We appreciate your support and your encouragement. Give as the Lord leads. You can do so using the PayPal link at the bottom of one of the home pages, or using the Venmo app, send it to at Firefall Media Group, capital F, capital M, capital G, all one word. It's easier, more user-friendly, and um, no fees taken out if you use the app. And PayPal, they take out a percentage. Make sure you bookmark the Spreaker site on Firefall Talk Radio. This is where the live and the regular podcasting happens, but we do distribute via, via Apple Podcasts. Um, Google, Spotify, iHeartRadio. So if you're listening to us there, welcome. We appreciate each and every one of you and appreciate those of you that support us. It's not a regular show, but every time I have something to say on Overwatch, that's another podcast we do here on Firefall Talk Radio. And we're on Facebook, facebook.com, either Firefall Talk Radio or facebook.com forward slash Supernatural Response Team, that's the SRT Overwatch info page where we post uh, prophecy, end times, things in the news that pertain to that. Upcoming dates, Feast of Trumpets, September 19th, Feast of uh, the Day of Atonement, September 28th, and the Feast of Tabernacles, October 3rd through the 9th. This Sunday, the 21st, is Father's Day. 
And on that day, all over the country, supposedly, there's going to be a Luciferian march for a one-world government in five eastern states at corresponding times, which is five eastern and then all the other times, whether central, uh, mountain, or Pacific, in nine U.S. cities. It also happens to be the summer solstice, where there's going to be a ring of fire solar eclipse not visible in the United States. Last year, a lot of Christians decided to show up as well, and they either outnumbered or completely replaced the Luciferian people. So just stay prayed up. Understand that there's a lot going on in the world right now that the enemy's involved in, and they're trying to create chaos and uh, feed the discord and the negative feelings that we have out there. We need to pray. Now, for a long time, we did uh, prayer requests and praise reports, but I noticed it trickled down to one or two or nobody at all, and I decided, you know what? I always start with prayer and praise. It's just what I do. You can add to it. If you have something that you really need to get out there, you can email it to me or go to one of the social media pages, and I'll make sure it gets out to the people. If somebody would like to create a forum or a Google Hangouts or someplace that you can interact with one another, Facebook or whatever, feel free to do so. I just, I just really don't have time for another, another thing to take on like that, but I encourage it that many of you that met last year at the C Conference or already know each other and want to interact, you can do so. But since I've started preaching and teaching back in January of 2000, we've always started with Praise, we always enter his presence with praise, and then we, we offer prayers. And as I said, as I'm doing this, you can offer your own. When I get to the end and I pray a prayer, you can offer up whatever corresponds or whatever the Lord leads you. So, of course, I always praise him for my salvation because everything that comes after that is a result of me getting saved. So I praise him for my home, for my wife of 40 years, um, sons, daughter-in-laws, grandsons, furry kids, some you call them pets, and everything that we have, everything, the studio, the electronics, everything that I'm using comes from the Lord. I praise him for the ministry that he allows me to work. It will always be his ministry. It'll never be mine. For the protection that he offers us as his children, that Psalm 91 covering, which I've taught about. For the dreams and the visions, right now we're in a really intense period of time of dreams and visions and visitations, both good and bad. I praise him that his healing virtues are still available to us. I know many of you need it. Begin to speak to things not as they are, but as they should be. And I'm not saying name it and claim it, but I'm saying that your body responds to the words that come out of your mouth. So begin to speak to the cells. Begin to speak to your body. Tell it to go back to its divine design. Every four days, a, a cell dies off and gets replaced with a new one. Tell your body, stop making damaged cells. Go back to its original um, design. I just praise him that we can praise him, even when it's dark, even when it's crazy. No matter what happens, we can praise him. So I praise him for the favor and the revelation and the things he's been sharing. Praise him for being able to do this with you that I'm a new creation living in these prophetic times. We've always read about it. Now we're seeing it. I praise him for living in a country that allows us to do this without fear of reprisal or attack. Many of our brothers and sisters don't have that. Praise him for the signs he's getting ready to return. I really sincerely believe that. 
Can't put a date on it, but I know it's imminent, so let's get ready. I always start out prayer by praying for the Middle East, Israel, and the peace of Jerusalem in accordance with Psalm 122, verse 6. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you. I do that every day. I pray for America and its leaders and its citizens as we're going through these crazy times that are obviously being triggered by the fallen and their demonic offspring and those that serve them. We need to rise up in prayer. We need to push back. If you, ha- if you don't understand spiritual warfare by now, you haven't been paying attention on the porch. And then I take it down to I pray for the fatherless, the widows, the innocents, both in and out of the womb and the victims of injustice. And even with the innocent, whether human or animal, we have been such bad stewards of his creation. I pray against the slaughter of the innocents. I pray for those that have been victimized the missing and exploited children, the victims of human sex trafficking, the the demonic satanic business that flourishes because of the money and the powerful people behind it. Over the last three years, we've seen more people arrested and rings, pedophile rings taken down than ever before in the history of America, and I pray that it will continue. I pray that if you've joined with me in SRT to pray against these things, you'd really push back and dig in hard. I pray for our brothers and sisters around the world being slaughtered and persecuted for their faith. That religious persecution, the anti-Semitism that's on the rise, and it goes hand in hand with everything that we're seeing. And I believe what we're seeing is the spirit of the Antichrist, which is getting bolder as its time for unveiling comes, is inspiring others to be bolder. It's agitating them. So we need to be aware of that. That's why we need to be divinely whole and healthy. If you're not, and you're in control of that through natural choices, make better natural choices. Exercise, eat right, right, take the right supplement. If it's out of your control, then begin to pray and, and ask for prayer. If there's anybody nearby that can anoint you and pray for you, let them do so. So I'm praying that we get back to our divine design, that we are able to do what we need to do right now, right here, right now. Continued praying for healing for my wife, Deb, from the injuries from her fall from a couple of years ago and everything that each one of us goes through. So I'm going to stop right here, right now. Yeshua, I come to you as your son, as your servant. And I pray for your sons and your daughters. I pray that you would touch them wherever they are, that your Holy Spirit would overshadow them, that you'd fix what is broken, that you'd restore what's been diminished or taken away. That, Father, you would even give us back to our youth. That you would begin to change us so that we can be useful to you, that you'd heal our mind, our heart, our soul, and our spirit. And I pray this in Yeshua's name. We need to pray for the protection over one another, intercede for one another. That's Psalm 91 covering. It's available to us. Get out your Bibles. Open it up. Read it out loud. If you've got the supernatural battle or you've, you've, you've been in touch with me or come to one of the seminars, you know how to pray it as a prayer. We need some inspiration. We need to be inspired that the fire of the Spirit would come into us and for the remnant, those that have been put through it, those that have come out the other side, those that have been chosen to wake up, to rise up, answer the call to action. We need to put some action to these words. And for those that have been blessed to be a blessing, we need some help. 
those of us like myself and the fellow members of SRT and others that are involved with either the porch or firefall or whoever, we have a desire to go. We have a desire to answer the call to action, but unfortunately, it takes finances to do that. We need to finish this documentary. We need to get out there and do the, the dreams and the visions and the missions. That takes blessings. Right now, we're praying for some big ones. So if you want to come into agreement with us for the for the, the, the equipment that we need, the travel expenses, the all the things that are planned out and ready to go, that as soon as the restrictions have been lifted and we can become highly mobile, we can get to work. Uh, pray for divine favor and the conclusion of legal matters that are just dragging on adversity that our family is going through. My wife and I, my son and daughter-in-law, um, uh, Larry, fellow member of SRT, it just seems like the enemy has used the system to attack, and, and I'm about done with that. So if you'll agree with us on that. And then finally, one of the most important things that you can pray for is your lost family members. So, Father, we just come to you now in the name of Yeshua, the name above all names, the only name in heaven by which we may be saved, the name that every knee shall bow in heaven on earth and under the earth and declare to the glory, your glory, Father, that he is Lord. Yeshua is Lord. Doesn't matter what the world thinks. Doesn't matter what the enemy thinks. Doesn't matter what anybody thinks. You have made him. You have given him the name above all names. So that's how we come to you. That's how we pray to you. That's what we believe in. And Father, we thank you. We thank you for how much you love us. We thank you for caring about us. We thank you for spending time with us. And I pray that your sons and daughters wouldn't just have a moment with you, that they would give you their time, that they would interact with you, that they would hear your voice, and that they would know your love. We know it from the fact that you sent Yeshua to die for us, to shed every drop of blood, to have his body ripped up, scourged, spit on, beard ripped out, nailed to a piece of wood, and then hung up on a hill for everyone to see. And Lord, I can't, I can't even fathom the pain that you went through, but you did it. You chose to do it, and we thank you. Thank you is such, it's not even enough to say, so we give you our lives, we give you our heart, we give you our love. We thank you for the Holy Spirit whom you sent back to guide us and to walk with us and encourage us and to teach us. Without him, we can't do this. So thank you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for for putting up with us. I'm sure that sometimes you want to chastise us, but that's not. You convict us to change. But we thank you for it all. We thank you for these times. We thank you for everything, your angelic covering. We prayed upon this equipment. We prayed upon our lives. Open our hearts. Open our minds. Take away all the distractions. And Lord, have your way with us. And I pray this in Yeshua's name. Amen.
These lessons are proprietary information except where noted the information comes from outside sources. The combination of that information and the matter presented is exclusive, cannot be repeated or used without permission. The date of this broadcast serves as the registered date of the following information. So we're still talking the kingdom mind. And my goal has always been, all the way back to the days of uh, the Jerusalem Fellowship in Tallahassee, that's what it was before it became Solomon's Porch when we got here to Orlando and began in January of 2000. My goal has always been to prepare you, those that are listening, those that are learning, to be useful to be functional, to be successful in their walk. Now it has morphed into preparing you to be used as a part of his remnant. Now. You're needed now. And you learn by doing. It's never been about building a name for myself. I don't advertise. I don't promote. I've resisted all of that. I've had uh, people hear the podcast and, and reach out to me and want me to come on radio shows and to do all that, and, and uh, you know, radio stations, of course, that would, I would have had to incur half the expense. But that wasn't the point. I'm not looking to be famous. I'm looking to be functional and effective. That's it. I want to glorify him. And to do that, we need to acquire his mind, the kingdom mind, being about the Lord's business, which was what? Salvation. That's it. It wasn't about building buildings. It wasn't about programs. It wasn't about all the things we see being done today. It was about salvation, discipleship, which is making people believers, and then preparing for his return. Seeking first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all those things would be added to us. Told to go make disciples of all men. Preach the gospel to every creature. Get them to follow the Lord. Get them to learn. Get them to do the same and replicate. The enemy's doing it. The enemy has followers upon followers upon followers, and they increase every day. And what what do I see? I see people building egos, building kingdoms, building their own monuments, building their own organizations, circling the wagons. And here we are, the porch, Firefall, SRT. We're saying, send us, Lord. Let us go. This is our moment in time. Let us go do what you need us to do. Let's go be the resistance fighters that in World War II slowed down the Nazis long enough for the Allied forces to get in. But having his mind, having what I say is the mind of Messiah, Bible says the mind of Christ, and, and if you know, I, I think Messiah is so much more. But having his mind is more than we can possibly understand in the natural. But I will tell you this, I'll tell you one thing I do understand, it won't come from complacent, comfortable Christianity. It comes from walking through it. It comes from being stripped. It comes from being broken. It comes from changing the way you think. It becomes a walk. It becomes a lifestyle as much as it is a mindset. Building his kingdom with no distinctions, no restrictions, no distractions. And understanding that no matter where you are in your walk, you're ready because he doesn't call the prepared. He prepares those he calls. The disciples weren't ready. They were just willing. So I ask you right now, are you willing? Tell him. Say, here I am, Lord, send me. 
Of course, the minute you do that, then you you have enrolled in the school of the Spirit. Sometimes the classes are fun. Sometimes they're not. Sometimes there's extra credit. And sometimes you have to stay after class. Maturity? Well, it's helpful, but it's not a prerequisite. It'll come. Maturity comes from experience and experiential knowledge, which is very dangerous to the kingdom of darkness. They don't want that. They don't want you to have experience. Oh, they don't mind if you sit and read a book, watch a DVD, go sit in a conference hall somewhere. But they really don't want you to apply it and do something with it. And while book knowledge is good, especially if it's the book, real experience is what's vital. Real Ruach Holy Spirit experience is vital because he has to be your teacher. He has to be your counselor, your parakletos, the one who walks beside you, the one that encourages you, the one that reminds you what Yeshua said, the one that empowers you. It's the gifts of the Spirit and the one that gives you the fruit that you feed others with and take care of yourselves. The kingdom mindset means the value of your own intellect and efforts lose their value. They have no value. Paul said he considers all that garbage. Our efforts must be in in him. All the self-reliance, all the things that the world tells you about self is worthless when it comes to the kingdom. Your self-worth comes from him. Everything comes from him. Everything comes via the Holy Spirit. And Paul had many personal strengths that he brought with him into the kingdom, and those had to be broken. Those had to be stripped away. They had to be changed because he had to rely on God's strength to do what he was called to do. So rather than using rhetoric of the day to win converts, he just gave a straightforward message. Boy, that's what we need right now. He just used the power of God, the signs and the wonders that accompanied the preaching to confirm who it was that was speaking through Paul and that they were meant to magnify God, not any human speaker. Why do we have that superstar Christianity mentality? Every time somebody has an anointing, we want to put them up on a stage. We want to put their name in lights. We want to make them a star. That's the enemy. That's not God. The minute I see that happening, I realize that that person or that organization has gone off track. Because the real power is not in charismatic preaching or the finesse of presentation. It's not in smoke and lights and mirrors or logical persuasiveness. It's in the message itself that God so loved the world, he sent his only begotten son to pay the price for our sins so that we can be reconciled to the Father. The message is centered on the Messiah. It's centered on his death for our sins. It's centered on a bloody cross, an empty tomb, and a fire-filled upper room. And the power of the Holy Spirit that convicts the human heart. So where we left off last time, Paul was emphasizing God's wisdom in contrast to the world's wisdom. Real wisdom is not human wisdom, but the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. And Paul gives it an interesting term, the foolishness of the gospel, the foolishness of the good news. Go with me to 1 Corinthians 1, starting with verse 20. 
Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has God not made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For Jews request the sign and Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Messiah crucified to the Jews a stumbling block and to the Greeks foolishness. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greek, Messiah, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Interesting phrase, the foolishness of God. I've always, you know, one of the first things I decided was I was going to be a fool for God. I've been a fool for the world. I've been a fool for the enemy. Once he got me saved, healed, and delivered, once he gave me back my family, I decided I'm going to be a fool for God. That word foolishness, in that section, that one word occurs five times in several different forms. You hardly miss it, but I want to highlight it so that you understand it clearly. 1 Corinthians one eighteen, For the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved it is the power of God. 1 Corinthians one twenty three, We preach Messiah crucified to the Jews a stumbling block and to the Greeks the Gentiles foolishness. 1 Corinthians one twenty five, the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. 1 Corinthians one twenty seven, God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound or to shame the wise. God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong, the strength of the world. 1 Corinthians 2, one, and when I came to you, brethren, I did not come in the superiority of speech or wisdom, proclaiming to you the testimony of God, but down to verse 14 of chapter 2. Here we go. This is it. Bombshell revelation. Breaking news. A natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them, because they are spiritually discerned. They are spiritually understood. That basic word for foolishness is mor- moriah, moros. That's where we get the English word moron from. It's the idea that it's ridiculous, ignorant, stupid, or contemptible. In today's language, Paul would say that the, the world, these people are morons. Or as Bugs Bunny would say, what a maroon. The American Heritage Dictionary says the word moron is considered offensive. Well, guess what? If you were to say to somebody, you moron, they would be insulted, and maybe properly so, but that's the word Paul uses here. Not just once, but five times, and it's the word the Spirit gave him. Those who are lost consider the message of the cross foolishness. It's moronic to them. They don't understand it. It makes no sense to them that a Savior should die for them. You've heard it. You've heard Oprah Winfrey, the the wonderful uh, uh, philosopher, theology student, say that Jesus didn't come to die for anybody. Or, uh, you know, you've heard these speakers that 
talk about no hell or whatever that they, you know the the whole blood thing the whole cross thing that's man that was never god's intention whenever i hear morons i mean i'm foolish people say that i realize they know nothing of the bible and they don't know him but paul says and we see it right now if ever more than ever before god has turned the wisdom of the world into foolishness and he's done so through the cross of the Lord. He's turned the tables upside down and shows that the eggheads, the intellectuals, really weren't so smart after all. And this is why I have a problem with that intellectual spirit in the church. This is why I have a problem that we venerate these guys with PhDs or, or, or the plaques on the wall who've increased the knowledge of their mind, but they've done nothing for no one. They haven't been out there, haven't gotten anybody saved, healed, or delivered, but yet they may get the bigger salaries, they get the big shows, they get the limousines, they get everything the world wants to give them. And while it would be nice to pay my bills regularly or have a even have a car the one I have is riding in the driveway we have one car I, I wouldn't trade anything I've done for what they've done see God honors our foolishness that if we have been foolish enough to believe in Yeshua as Lord if we have been foolish enough foolish enough to accept the bloody cross it shows how smart we really are. Because when this moronic message of the gospel is preached, the world may laugh at it, but God saves those who believe it. God's power is displayed through what those people consider weakness because his foolishness, the foolishness of God, turns out to be smarter than the wisdom of this fallen world. Psalm 14, starting verse 1, The fool has said in his heart, There is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none who does good. The Lord looks down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there are any who understand, who seek God. They have all turned aside. They have be together become corrupt. There is none who does good. No, not one. Thankfully, he didn't give up looking. That fool in the Hebrew, it's a little different. It denotes moral perversion, not mental deficiency. Paul talks about it in Romans chapter 3, about the universal depravity of mankind. Boy, do we see that on the news and on the Internet today. But it illustrates the irrevocable and unalterable truth that men, when they deny the existence of God... They are fools, and because of that, wickedness and evil prevail. And the, the great thing about those this scripture out of Psalm 14, I think it's in Psalm 53 as well, is that it suggests a practical atheism. They don't care. There is no God. It's not like they're antagonistic about it. They just don't see the proof, and therefore they don't believe. I've met people like that. But Paul talks about that in Romans one twenty-eight. Even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do things which are not fitting. 
Colossians 2.18, Let no one cheat you of your reward, taking delight in false humility and worship of angels, intruding into those things which he has not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind. We have stadiums and conference halls and and uh, hotel conference rooms and places filled with people like that. 1 Timothy 6, 5, the useless wranglings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth who suppose that godliness is a means of gain. From such withdraw yourself. The ones that have found a way to pimp the gospel, the ones that have found a way to make a, a, a nickel, a dollar, a $20 bill off of a revelation, possibly that they've stolen from someone else and they can milk it and merchandise it. Now, that's between them and God. Someday they're going to have to stand before him. I would rather not be a part of that. Unfortunately, religion and religious activity dumbs it all down. It dumbs it down so that it it can be made sense of in both the church and in the world. The whole seeker-friendly thing dumbs the gospel message down. Once that happens, we lose the mystery of the gospel. Remember, Worldly wisdom is foolishness to God and all who have his mind, a kingdom mind. So let's break it down even simpler. Yes, I did say that. I'm going to make it simple for you. The world cannot know God through its own wisdom. God set it up this way to demonstrate the wisdom of his plan. The world considers the preaching of the gospel to be foolishness. But God saves sinners through what the world considers foolishness. So, therefore, the best thing we can do for the world is be foolish and preach the gospel because those who believe that gospel will be saved. And is that what this is all about? But here comes the kicker. Here comes the final statement. We shouldn't expect the world to be happy with us for doing it. And therein lies a big mistake. See, what Paul's referring to here, something that I've been blessed to have learned through Pastor Shelley, my spiritual father and mentor, who I spoke to today, and, and I want you, to keep, want you to keep him in your prayers. Paul's referring to that intimate, that knowledge that comes from knowing somebody personally. It's the experience. You, you're not just thinking about being in love with him, you really are because you've experienced it. Now, I'm not saying education isn't good. It has its place. But it's never going to open the door to heaven. That door only opens when the mind is transformed. Let's go back to, I quoted Romans 128. Let's pick it back up and read the Amplified all the way through verse 32. And so, since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, or approve of him, or consider him worth knowing, God gave them over to a base and condemned mind to do things not proper or decent, but loathsome, until they were filled, permeated, saturated, with every kind of unrighteousness, iniquity, grasping, covetous, greed, and malice. They were full of envy and jealousy, murder and strife, deceit and treachery, ill will and cruel ways. 
They were secret backbiters, gossipers, slanderers, hateful to and hating God, full of insolence, arrogance, and boasting, inventors of new forms of evil, disobedient, undutiful to to parents. They were without understanding, conscienceless, faithless, heartless, loveless, and merciless. And though they are fully aware of God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve to die, they, they not only do them themselves, but approve and applaud others who practice them. Oh, you've seen it. Turn on an award show during award season as they applaud the perverse, debased pedophile or rapist or uh, whatever going across the stage. But see, that's the natural fallen mind. You've been told don't be like that. Romans 12, 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, which can only happen through the Holy Spirit, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable, perfect will of God. See, that's what we've been talking about all all these years. The battle, the battle for the kingdom of mind is one with the sword of the Spirit. Matthew 10, starting verse 34, these are all red letters. Do not think that I came to bring peace on the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I've come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be those of his own household. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. He who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. He who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it, and he who loses his life for my sake will find it. If you haven't felt it already, the most disappointing thing we as believers experience is having those closest to us reject us, reject the message, even to the point of betrayal. Well, we know the Lord experienced those feelings with the portrayal of Judas and the momentary denial of Peter. But that's what it's going to be like. If you want to serve him, you've got to give up caring about that. The other thing about, you know, he said I didn't come to bring peace now. What he's talking about a different peace. He, he did leave peace. He said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. But he clarified it. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid, John fourteen twenty seven. He did bring that supernatural peace, but he didn't bring social peace or political peace. He called for people to make a decision about him. And that means brings a sword, the sword of the word. It brings division. It says that Luke twelve fifty one. I came to bring division. Yeshua didn't come to make us feel better about ourselves. He came to change us came to restore us to the Father, and that would make us feel better about ourselves. This isn't a feel-good gospel. This isn't a a social gospel. This isn't a seeker-friendly gospel. This isn't a life coach gospel. This is a transforming, change you 
from what you were into what you could be and what you were supposed to be by the blood of the Lamb gospel. Only the Word accomplishes that. But I found it interesting today as I was working on this, I saw that word division in another scripture. I saw the word sword, and I saw the word division, and it took me to Hebrews 4.12. For the Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow. And it's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. That Word of God, it's quick, it's strong, it's powerful, it's active, it's alive, it's powerful, it's effectual. That Greek word energes is where we get the word energy from. So the sword, the Word, has energy to it. It's, it's, it's dynamic, it's empowered by the Holy Spirit. And it's sharper than any two-edged sword. I've already told you, my wife can probably annoyingly confirm, I have swords all over this house. I've uh, been enamored with blades since I was a young man. Uh, Two-edged sword, those things are dangerous. You cut yourself. But that's the word. The word cuts on the way in, cuts on the way out, and cuts you just as quick as it cuts the other person. And it's piercing. It pierces and divides the soul and the spirit. That's what the Word of God does. That's what the Spirit of God does. It divides even joints and marrow. It discerns the thoughts and intents of the heart. It penetrates. It's an ever-present, energized critic of your thought life and of your motivations and of your heart purpose. See, when I see people do stuff that they're not under conviction for, when I see people that don't have what I just mentioned, I wonder, are they even born again? Or did they make a mouth confession but never made it to their heart because the, the, the presence of the Spirit, the fruit, the gifts, the convicting presence of the Spirit is not, not there. And, and understand that the Word, it's, it is unique in its ability not to only reveal the merit of somebody's actions, but to reveal the hidden motivations. Remember, all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. It's the measuring stick that Messiah will use at judgment. Second Corinthians 5.10 For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Messiah, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. See, he's not going to ask you your opinion. He's not going to ask you what the world thought of you, or what plaques did you get, or what awards did you get, how many DVDs or CDs did you sell, how many tickets uh, for the events that you had. None of that's going to matter. He's going to measure you by the word. He's going to measure you by the book. And if your debts are not canceled by the blood, you're in trouble. The law is unable to be fulfilled by any person. You fail in one part of it. You fail in all of it. Thankfully, the blood takes care of that for you. Because when he opens up your book and all the list of your sins and all the debts and all the, everything that you created between you and God, there's this bloody stamp that says paid in full. You see, that's what makes the cross and the blood foolishness to the mind of man. 
But look at the world today. Look at the leaders today. Look at the people that are venerated, whether in the church or in the world, they're put up on stages or whatever. Proverbs 23, 7, as a man thinks in his heart. The Lord quoted that in Matthew 15, 19. He said, out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornication, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. There's some people that have some flowing words. They look good, they sound good, but their hearts are rotten. The sword of the Spirit reveals that. But God's message, this gospel message, this thing that I've been talking to you about, this kingdom mind, this this kingdom of God mentality, it's alive and it's active and it penetrates even to the innermost part of a person's being. It, it distinguishes that what is natural and what is spiritual. It sifts through the thoughts, the reflections, the intents of a person are exposed. And, and the Word of God, the Scripture, the red-letter basics, exposes the natural and spiritual motivation of a believer's heart. Why are you doing what you do? If you're not doing it for him, if you're not doing it for the same reason he did it, you're on the wrong road. Why do you want those things? Larry and I, my brother, we pray almost every day. And we're praying for a very specific blessing so that we can go out and fulfill and do what we've been called to do. And, and you know, one time when we were praying, the Lord said, where's my business plan? I want to know how you're going to spend my money. So we did that. We wrote it up. We took care of it. We listed all the stuff going in, all the stuff going out, all the things we knew of him. He had the Lord added to it. And we, he wanted to know, why are you doing this? Why do you want this? Lord, we just wanted to serve you. We want to do what you created us to do in our mother's womb and then paid the price on the cross for us to do it for you. I did it for the world. I did it for the enemy before. I did amazing things, nothing like I've done for the kingdom, but I did some stuff when I was under the power of Hasatan and demon-possessed that freaked out even other people that were demon-possessed. But now even more so, The creative power of the universe, the same spirit that raised Yeshua from the grave is inside of me. The same thing that he used to speak all of existence into, the same thing he used to speak the angels into existence is inside of me. And when my flesh gets out of the way and and the, the measure of the spirit, I'd like to have it without measure like he did, and I'm working on it, but at those moments when it all comes together, miracles happen, people get saved, healed, delivered, demons flee. Not because of me, not because of my name, but because of his name. That's why I want to do it. I want to go rescue the lamb out of the lion's mouth. I want to chase down the enemy and destroy his works. I want to get out there before him to shut down an area before he gets there to take it. Before he gets to an opening or a portal to come through, we're going to seal it shut. We're going to be proactive and not reactive. We're going to put the enemy on the run. And make him try to figure out what we're doing instead of us figuring out what he's doing. But to do that, we need to change. We need to get to that place where we understand the mysteries of God. Where we we reject the knowledge of this world, the gnosis, the mind, and we get his mind. 
Will we understand as horrible as his death was, why it was so important? You can only do that through the Holy Spirit. See, that's what Paul is trying to get the church in Corinth to understand. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 13 and 14, the Amplified. And we are setting these truths forth in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Holy Spirit. Combining and interpreting spiritual truth with spiritual language to those who possess the Holy Spirit. But the natural, non-spiritual man does not accept or welcome or admit into his heart the gifts and the teachings and the revelations of the Spirit of God. For they are folly, they are meaningless nonsense to him, and he's incapable of knowing them, of progressively recognizing, understanding, and becoming better acquainted with them because they're spiritually discerned, they're spiritually estimated and appreciated. See, these these kingdom truths, these spiritual kingdom truths, are not, understand, are not understood with the natural mind. And I know some of you are struggling because you're trying to understand it with your mind. You, gotta, you have to go back to basics. You've got to get the spirit involved in your thought processes. I see it in your social media posts. I see it in the emails. I see it from people that claim to be believers. And I look and I just shake my head. And so when are you going to get it? This is not our world. We're not... Our citizenship is elsewhere. Certain things have to happen before the Lord comes. He told us, Matthew 24, Luke 21, they're all there. And we're seeing them. People are freaking out. Oh, what is this? Well, wait a second. If you opened your Bible or if you listened on Wednesday nights or even just downloaded an archived copy every now and then, you'd know. That's what Paul was trying to get them to understand that the intellectuals of the world could not teach the knowledge that he was giving to Corinthian believers. And the Spirit didn't dictate words to Paul, which then he repeated. He taught them. So what they were speaking was something they had learned. People don't want to hear what you know about Jesus. They want to hear what the Lord did for you. What have you experienced Don't tell me about that guy's gifts. Don't tell me what what that person has done. What has he done for you? And that's what the apostles did. That's what the book of Acts Church did. They just simply, within their own words, their own style, shared with what they learned from spiritual experience, experience with the Holy Spirit. That's what the enemy doesn't want. But all communication, all Learning, all dissemination of information, got to come from the power of the Spirit. It's not a rational human exercise. It's got to go through the filter of the Holy Spirit into our minds. See, the kingdom mind is a spiritual mind. It's not a natural one. Unbelievers whose minds are blinded, they function in the natural world. And they see only through physical, dim sin-filled eyes. Second Corinthians 4, 4, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Messiah, who is the image of God, should shine on them. We hear about them all the time. They went to church or they went somewhere as a kid 
and now look at their lives. They never got it. They're still just as blind as they were when they were born. They know nothing. In fact, they were probably better off when they were born to get this understood the gospel than they are now. They don't appreciate the significance of the good news. They, they don't see the necessity of the cross. To do that, you need to have the Holy Spirit. And if you did it before you had the Holy Spirit, it's because he allowed you to. Because he sought you. So just to clarify, there are two kinds of wisdom you can seek after. Man's wisdom, the world's wisdom, or the words and the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. It's your choice. You can either be natural or you can be spiritual. You decide which of these you'll be. Oh, I'm serious. You do. Even after you prayed the prayer of salvation, even after you've done all this stuff and it doesn't matter who you support, where you go, what you listen to, you decide each and every day, am I going to be a natural person or a spiritual person? Am I going to react to what I see in the natural or am I going to react to what I see in the word? Am I going to react to what I hear on TV, news, social media? Or am I going to react to what I hear from people that are speaking the truth or from what the Holy Spirit is saying in my ears? That's what Paul was trying to get them to understand. The people that you venerate, the people that you look up to, they can't help you. The Spirit decides that. It takes the Holy Spirit to explain spiritual truths. Spiritual wisdom is completely different than human wisdom. And I've seen people write really great books and I look at them, and they make sense, and they're well-written. They've been well-edited. They look great, and I don't see a whole lot of Holy Spirit wisdom in them. I see secular wisdom. I see humanistic wisdom. I see psychology. I see all these things when the gospel, the good news, would have sufficed. Of all the books written, and I've read a lot, and, and I have a lot, whether in paper form or on my Kindle, the only one that's of really of any value is the Bible. The only teacher, and I've had a lot of really good ones. Actually, one really good one, Bob Shelley. But the best teacher for me has always been the Holy Spirit. He has shared with me the mysteries of the kingdom. He has shared with me the Lord himself has shown me the mysteries of the universe and the throne room and all those other things. But you know what? It always lines up with his word. It never deviates from his word. So if you want to be useful in this time, if you say, here I am, Lord, send me, then what you're saying is, Lord, change the way I think. Change the condition of my heart. Change my my choices. So the only teacher I have is the Holy Spirit. I've said this a long time ago, and I usually say it when I go speak somewhere. If I say anything that doesn't line up with the word, reject it. But I can almost guarantee you that if I'm saying it, I've lined it up to Scripture before I do. Mistakenly, when I just spoke what other people spoke, and I regret it now, I said some things that didn't line up. Which is why I don't listen to a lot of preachers. I do that for a couple of reasons. One, I don't want to share revelation that's not mine. I don't want their revelation to taint mine. 
I just want to share what the Lord has told me. And most of it comes from my heart. You know, I'm passionate. <coughs> can be irreverent. But I do everything that I do in love for him and love and care for you. So what do you want? Right now, what do you want? I'm being serious. I wish we were on Zoom or in a room like Dr. Seuss showed up. I, I wish there was a way we could interact right now. And I'm thinking maybe we'll do that sometime this summer on a, a seminar since we can't do a C conference here. But I wish, because I'm serious, what do you want to do? Don't tell me what you'd like to do, what you think. Tell me what you want. Your marriage screwed up, then one of you needs to get saved. Maybe both of you, I don't know. Maybe you need deliverance. Maybe you need healing. Well, then you got to go back to basics. you got to get back to the cross. As far as the kingdom of God, as far as being a part of the remnant, what is it you want? Well, I just want to be left alone, Richard. I don't want any of that. Well, if that's the case, that's great, and I appreciate you being here, but I can't help you. This is about changing the world. This is about shaking the world one last time before the return of the king. You have to decide what is it you want. Do you want the mind of Messiah? Do you want to think the thoughts that he thought for the reason he thought them? Do you want that relationship with the Father so that you can honestly say, I only see and do what I, what my Father says and does? I do. So, Father, I just come to you right now. I'm, I'm coming directly to you. Abba. Abba, it's me, your son, Richard. I'm here to talk to you on behalf of my brothers and sisters and and on behalf of me. And I know you never get tired of it, and if you did, I'd keep coming. I'd be like the persistent widow or the the parable of the man that needed food for his friend that showed up late. I, I would be annoying. But I'm asking you for them and for me, change us. Sift through us right now by the fire of the Holy Spirit. Anything in us that's not of you, just burn it up. I willingly give it to you, and I pray that they will too. Take anything out of us that's not of you, that hinders us from being like you, that keeps us from having what you want us to have and doing what you want us to do. Change the way we think. Change the way we we interact with people. Change the way we love. Help us to see people the way you saw them. A lot of ugliness in the world right now, and it's really easy, Lord, to react in the natural, defensively, in anger. Show us how to be more like you. Fill us right now, Lord, with the overflowing of your spirit, the gifts and the fruit, and everything that needed to go preach the gospel to a fallen world. Fill us with spiritual knowledge, Holy Spirit. Speak to us right now. Convict us. Change us. Encourage us. Edify us. But more than that, edify the Lord. And and Father, I pray right now that you'd fill our hearts with the love you have for your Son so that we can love him that way too. 
We want to be a part of your kingdom. We want to function in your kingdom. We want to live full time in your kingdom. We want a kingdom mindset. We want the spirit without measure. We want to do what the book of Acts Church did. At least I do. Show us right now how to pray for this country, how to pray for our leaders, how to pray for those that want to serve you but are afraid to step out and do so. Father, right now, we just stand in the gap for all your sons and your daughters out there, and we pray that you'd protect them, that you'd encourage them. And I just pray all these things, Father, all these things in the name of your Son, in the name of Yeshua. And if you agree with anything I said, say amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. I'm Richard Grun. This has been The Porch on Firefall Talk Radio. Advancements in the medical field are giving nurses faster, more effective results than ever before. They should expect the same from their education, too. Capella University's game-changing FlexPath format allows you to set your own deadlines and leverage your experience to move faster through your program. So the faster you move, the more money you save. When you're ready, we'll be here. Visit capella.edu for a trial course at no cost to you. Capella University. Don't just learn, learn smarter. Hey, it's me, your cousin, from Boston. I'm on the radio doing ads for Sam Adams. Now I'll be known as the Sam Adams guy instead of the dude who fell in the quarry. Sam Adams Boston Lager is crisp and refreshing, which is why I bring a six-pack wherever I go, except the movies anymore. Sam Adams from Boston with love. Here's a legal pot. Watch how fast I can read. The Boston Beer Company, Boston Mass. Drink responsibly. Now, is that 30 seconds? Are we even close?